to Return to Oz Minute. Today we're analyzing another minute of the movie Return to Oz. I'm Tierney Steele. And I'm Mike Carlucci. And returning today is our guest from No Heroic, No Time for Heroics, <laughs> Andrew Hawthorne. Yay, I returned to Oz. I did it. <gasps> what? I did the movie. Good job. Also, No Heroics would be a very different podcast. No Heroics. We're just like, uh, oh, hey, Spider-Man? No, sorry. Can't come in here. Oh. And Spider-Man will I, cry. I, I, Homecoming just came out. I'm very excited about Spider-Man. <laughs> again. I, you know I what? I, I'm a bad podcast host. I haven't seen uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. But we have seen a lot of the other Spider-Man movies and are frustrated by that. <laughs> well... So I'm listening to Spider-Man Minute, which is hosted by Scott Corelli and Zach Luna. Yeah. And it's giving me a much better appreciation for the character of Spider-Man. Because I didn't really know much other than what you learn by cultural osmosis and then seeing the movies. Now that there are superhero movies and I go see all of them. Uh, But one weird thing that I've discovered is I never related to Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. Sure, yeah. Like, it was a fine movie. I was glad it was, you know, I saw that movie many times and enjoyed it, but I did not connect with Spider-Man. Yeah. And that was when I was a, like, college kid. You know, that was when I was in college, and he was, you know, kind of in college, but, you know, a little bit older. And I just never clicked in. It's same thing with the Amazing Spider-Mans, even less. I was just totally not invested. Yeah. I love Tom Holland Spider-Man and I don't know what that says about me that now that I am a girl in my 30s I'm like I totally relate to this 15 year old boy like I I don't know what it is but there's just something about him like you know working on stuff under his desk for the shooters and I'm like yeah that's cool yeah I don't know it's been a very weird summer (laughs) I was we've done um two of the Spider-Man the original Spider-Man movies on our show uh we skipped the first one we haven't done that yet but we did two and three Mm. Uh, and and I I was never you know I I know I sound like a big podcast snob but I was never a big fan of any of those movies, and uh, and so we we're we're not very uh, kind to them perhaps but um, I don't know I think it says something that uh, like we generally respond positively to Spider Man Homecoming and as you said like as we're in our thirties right now like in that movie yeah. we're kind of the age of Aunt May. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, I can't tell you because it would spoil the joke, but there's a scene where Aunt May just, like, touched my heart. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, she always does a little bit, but yeah, it was it was the whole thing. Anyway, this isn't Spider-Man Minute, but you should go check out that podcast. Yes. And you should check out uh, No Time for Heroic. Yay! I mean, like, these are all fun things. We're living kind of a golden age. We are. Our own podcasting golden age. And um, on today on this podcast... We're going to talk about Minute 79 of Return to Oz, which I've already said like three times. But we love saying the name of the movie um, in the movie. It's a good movie. It starts with Dorothy finishing winding up TikTok's thought with a gnome king asking why she's come here. Why have you come here? Yeah. Um, we have another jarring mombi cut Ugh. in the middle of the... Well, I don't know if it's in the middle of the minute, but amidst this minute. <laughs> and um, I'm just going to start off with my first note, which is that uh, TikTok's relaxation during his winding noise makes me very uncomfortable. <laughs> it's like he's getting a nice deep tissue massage. Yeah, it's, 
constant mm noise, and I'm not, that does not strike me as a very TikTok-y in reaction. Plus, this is his his think works, right? So do you think that... Yeah. Do you think, like, it's different if she winds up his action, it's, like, kind of a muscle uh, thing? If she winds up his think works, it's kind of a brain massage? <laughs> Like, oh, yeah, I'm getting smarter. No, like when someone has their whole hand on your head and is massaging. <laughs> That's what I'm picturing. But it's still, it's not getting less awkward when I picture that. No, I, see, I'm, I'm thinking of it more like Popeye. Like, she's <laughs> when she's tightening his think works, you know, it's like Popeye eating the spinach. Like, oh. It's like TikTok drinking, you know, drinking a cup of coffee. All of a sudden, he's like, oh, like, you know, I, I was sort of thinking, like, I was thinking, okay, you know, but now that you've, you know, reset me to max, like, now I'm I'm in the zone. I'm strong to the fin itch. <laughs> um, She has a line. I want to see TikTok. Oh, sorry. God. What are you going to say? Oh, no. I just wanted to see TikTok drink coffee and get super hyped up, but. That's neither here nor there. Please go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, so the first line she says is that, as we've probably noticed at this point, half the trouble that you get into comes from winding down. And I thought that that was... Accurate. That's interesting as well and, and is, is fair. And, and it's unfortunate because at this point in the movie, TikTok has just kind of been... He's been a little useful, but mostly he's just been kind of a foil that immediately winds down right when he's needed to to heighten tension, like as he's about to save Dorothy from Mombi. But um, uh, what uh, it reminded me of uh, one of the later TikTok works, because he, like, I, I love TikTok so bad, but everybody did, because he ended up having two spinoff books of his own and a stage play. And, uh, what? And later on, um, uh, in, in the late 80s, I think, or early 90s, uh, there was a, uh, an independent comic called Oz Squad by a guy named Steve Alquist. Have you mentioned that at all, or have you, are you familiar with this? We haven't mentioned it. That sounds so familiar. Yeah. So Oz Squad. I don't think I ever read it though. Um, it, it was it was kind of it was a more adult take in in the way that um indie comics in the early '90s were adult in that there was a lot of swearing and violence and and sex and stuff. Mm. Um, but uh, it, it's pretty interesting if you're familiar with the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and, and the idea of kind of lumping all these physical characters or, or fictional characters rather together. It was very much like that yeah. and, 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 and kind of and a lot of fun. But the first issue of that, this this reminds me a lot of the first issue of that, um, which is about TikTok. And it's called the Internal Clockwork Morality Spring, where um, it, it is implied that TikTok actually has more gears than just... Um, think works and action and speech, but that they they don't get a lot of use. And and the um, the concept of this book was that TikTok is visiting Dorothy in the real world outside of Oz, and uh, and and because the real world is shades of gray and Oz is just black and white, his morality spring winds down super fast, which he's never had to worry about before. And you can't you can't wind, so he becomes this mass murdering like weapon engine of oh destruction very quickly and and basically ends up being the um the kind of like a villain for the rest of the series <laughs> i'm shaking my head but that doesn't translate on a podcast yeah. oh there's a great comic or comic book movie tie-in 
Yeah, there you he could go. Have died a hero, but he lived long enough to see himself become the villain. Exactly. Yeah. Now, see, for me, TikTok would never become the villain. He is nobility itself. So, you know, but it, it is <laughs> yeah. a fun comic if you can find it to read. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't have been reading it when it came out. But I, I've heard maybe when I was doing research that like popped up somewhere because the name sounds so fo- not just Osquad. I mean, that that's great. But the um, Steven, the creator sounds really familiar. Um but yeah, I I love the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, but I don't know that I can handle uh, evil TikTok. He's so and this is such a great minute for him. Oh my goodness, his theme music is back, and he's gonna save the day, and it's so sweet. His theme music is really cool too, because you know it's very military. It doesn't sound like anything else really in the uh, 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 in the soundtrack, and it's it's both military and robotic because it's very measured. And it, it works really well, even when you see him, because he resembles the kind of old polished brass that you would see on a military bugle um, in, in, you know, in World War One, which he's clearly modeled after the Great War yeah. with his helmet. And uh, yeah. and, and so, yeah, he, you know, the music sounds like it's the kind of thing that you might be able to play if you blew into TikTok to play him as an instrument. <laughs> oh, man, I didn't think of it as being robotic that way i mean obviously i'm I'm not stupid i picked up on the military (laughs) theme of it but i wonder if that's why my sister and i like it so much because she has um oh god what's it called well she was born with perfect relative pitch but she also she doesn't need a metronome like she can just naturally keep the beat and so i wonder if that's why she liked this one more where it's just like this i get this is everything (laughs) is happening as i want it to (laughs) Um, yeah, that's, it's really fun to watch her. Uh, at one point she was debating becoming a music teacher and it's just like, sweetie, you wouldn't survive the recitals. <laughs> you would just lose your mind. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. I love TikTok's theme and I love this whole little like theme music and self-confidence are all you need. Yeah. And the, turning things around. the other thing I love about uh, TikTok and they do it well in, in this movie is how people refer to him because everyone just refers to him as the army. He is the army of Oz on his own. And he's proven to be like, he's like, yeah, I'm the army. Uh, all you need is me. And I, I love the concept of a single being that's like, yes, I'm the army. And, and it also reminds me, speaking of music, of the Bjork song Army of Me, which I often think of in uh, in tandem with tiktok see i just went down a beatles path and you're like you know i am the army the army is me it was like he is all you need yep. <laughs> um sorry yeah <laughs> it happens a lot um yeah this is ugh, it it's a really good minute for the prop costume set design we get another uh cut back to mombi and the wheelers Ugh. and And I mean, we've already expressed our admiration for TikTok and we'll have more before the minute's over. But like everything is just everything in this minute is gorgeous. Even the creepy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Before we get too far into the minute, Mm -hmm. uh, after TikTok says uh, his thinking could be tighter. Okay. uh, In the script, we actually cut back to Jack in the ornament room. Spoiler alert. There's an ornament room. We we see where people go. Uh, and it says, Jack has picked up a cribbage board. He gazes at it, smiling his strange smile. 
Belina peeks out of his head apprehensively. And then we cut back to the Gnome's, Gnome King's cave and we do not see we do not see what happens to Jack. It just says, you know, again, uh, you know, we see the blue light. We see the lightning yeah. and, and thunder. We That's our last scene with Jack. Yeah, and I, I think it works better that way that you, you don't see anything. Like, it's so ominous when you hear the rumbling and and uh, uh, Carol Nicholson or, or whatever his name is that's playing the... Uh, uh, Nicole Williamson. I always get that wrong. Uh, uh, who's yeah. who's playing the Gnome King um, in, in his bizarre way of speaking. Says, two guesses left. And you're like, oh, okay, yes. Well, and now, this is later in the minute, but we can jump around. He has, like, a smoking pipe prop that I bet he's really proud of, but, like, it's an emotionally distressing moment. I was like, I don't have time for this. (laughs) TikTok is in trouble. Oh, he's loving it, though. He wants your suffering. (laughs) Ugh. Ugh. Ugh, he's the worst. I mean, he's the bad guy, so that makes sense, but still. He is very bad. Ugh. But here, here's my question. So why why are the gnomes rock monsters? I, I've never encountered a connection between gnomes being, you know, little elf dudes and uh, and bizarre rock faces and hands and and Santa Clauses and things. It's kind of in the books. They're described as rock fairies, but I'm not sure that they're described literally that way. That's I, interesting. We, we actually talked about this um, in podcast time. Uh, just a couple couple weeks back, uh, and the the only difference we were were really aware of in you know these gnomes versus like David the gnome versus the gnomes in Harry Potter is these are just N O M E gnomes. Yeah. So maybe that's maybe they're not like we we hear it and we're like oh gnomes and they're just a different family, but maybe they're just completely different. Yeah. It's... And for whatever reason, okay, they went with went with gnome. Yeah. Well, I thought of. Yeah, I mean, Gnome could stand for something and we'd have no idea. Um, no, my, my first thought was at the beginning of Elf when he's explaining how there are different jobs for elves. Okay. And maybe there are different types of gnomes depending on what you're interested in. Yeah. So some elves bake trees and cook and uh, bake cookies and trees. Okay, yeah. And baking trees. I'm not going to judge. Some um, some gnomes just uh, stand so, in your yard. Some gnomes are creepy face things that watch you sleep. Okay. Yeah, like it's it's just, you know, everyone has their own path to go down and these guys are are a different You got to gnome your best life. branch of the family. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. So we actually have an answer from the Oz Wikia. Oh, that's not as fun. Go ahead. <laughs> Laid on us. Well, so here, <laughs> uh, gnomes are rather round and not very tall. Mm. Their toes are curly and their ears broad and flat. They are the color of rocks and their shapes are as rough and rugged as if they had broken away from the side of a mountain. They can cling to the surface of a rock as a fly does to a window pane. Okay, so there's a precedent there. And So not what Disney went for, but yeah. Yeah. In the 1985 cult classic Return to Oz, the gnomes are depicted quite differently from the books. They are shown as grotesque rock creatures, almost like gargoyles who are capable of manifesting themselves in any rock, with the most prominent one being the Gnome King. Wow, cult so, classic. Nice. It looks like Disney just yeah. went to work. Hope you're enjoying being in our cult. <laughs> yep. And the OzWiki also says that 
they do sometimes use the G spelling of gnome as well. They do, yeah. So, I've got some notes on that uh, for a couple funny. minutes when when uh, he he changes form a little more. Uh, okay. You know. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I couldn't I couldn't recall if that they were in the books I had read or if they used the different spelling, but I guess. He went back and forth. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, Baum changed uh, uh, the spellings and, and the backgrounds on a couple things throughout as his ideas on the characters evolved, it seems. For uh, example, the Gnome King had several different real names. Like, the Gnome King is just kind of his, his position, his profession. I don't know. Do you get fired from being a Gnome King? Do you get one or two warnings on that? Uh, I'm not sure. But his name is, is either Rokat or Rogetto, depending on, on which book you read, apparently. That. And he's a really long-standing, yeah. No, they just call him the Gnome King, but he's a really long-standing villain in the books. He's in five or six books, I think. Whereas everybody remembers the Wicked Witch of the West, and she's out in one, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, he didn't get to be in an MGM classic, so of course you're out. Knows what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> uh. I'm so glad Mombi's chariot is not made up of people. <laughs> Even if they do a close-up of the mask. Yeah, it, it would fit in, though, with the rest of the horrific stuff we're seeing here. These doors made of hands and all of this. Oh, oh. So, uh, yeah, I mentioned it earlier when we saw it. I don't know why, because I guarantee as a kid, I did not care. I just thought the way the door appeared and disappeared for people to go make their guesses was cool. For some reason, now that I am an adult watching these movies, those hands creep me out so bad. Is it just me? Is no. there something like inherently creepy about the way they move? Yeah, everything in this movie is creepy. Everything is terrifying and unfriendly. And I still love it. Oh, okay. I, I, I still love it, make no mistake. Except for TikTok, he's incredibly friendly and I want to be his friend real bad. <laughs> I've, I've wondered about it. I think it's something I think it's something with the stop the way stop motion animation is. Yeah. Just just the way it's it's performed. I, because you don't the the computer animation now is is usually smoother and there's something about the stop motion that's that makes it more like it is weird rock hands. It doesn't look as realistic, but it looks more. I don't know. Yeah, it just looks more more alive somehow. Hmm. I'd be interested to do a survey on children who <laughs> did not grow up ever seeing or a group of children who have not seen claymation or stop motion things and see what their thoughts would be to some of these effects. We've had, uh, yeah. on occasion, we've shown movies from our childhood to young cousins and things like that, my wife and I. And uh, and I, I think it was, the, the most telling was, I think we showed Rainbow Bright and the Star Stealer to a, oh, geez. A, a very young child, which was a movie that was around when we were very young. And... Even that was enough to just really bother them viscerally, um, because yeah, this you know in the eighties, like these these movies were not, they did not care about terrifying children or or sparing them a horrific experience. And even I was uh, watching an interview with Frank Oz recently, uh, you know, the, who's of course a puppeteer and and played Yoda and in, in the Star Wars movies, and he was talking about Jim Henson and how even Henson who you know, is one of the greatest children's entertainers of all time, um, believed that there was something cathartic about scaring a child in a movie and and still, like, kind of bringing it home by the end of the film because 
you know, a child is going to encounter bothering and, and scary things throughout their life, and there's something inoculating about seeing it in a fictional context where it isn't actually going to hurt them in any way, and then they see people turn out mm. okay. So so even Henson, as you, you know, see in something like The Dark Crystal, is, is not afraid of scarring a child uh, <laughs> just a bit. They had more respect for us back in the day. <laughs> yeah, or or just really uh, wanted to beat us up a little more. <laughs> no, I could see that, though, because I, I mean, I grew up watching movies I sh- saw way younger than I should have. But there is kind of something to that of it's not, E.T. wasn't real. You know what I mean? Right. Like, you didn't have to worry about, there was something about and especially in the cartoon movies it's like i mean i saw every episode of the care bears darkheart is a cloud i knew he was gonna not gonna come get me like or well actually in the cartoon he's a guy in a rope but you know what i mean like sure but the care bears movie everything is so black and white yeah and the care bears movie is also really terrifying when that dude is is like turning all the kids into weird lizard men I don't know. There, there's there's a lot of gruesome stuff in those as well, and and Return to Oz has to be on top of that pile. Just just when you get to Mombi's headroom, like I I think that that might be even above and beyond anything else I I can recall from a kids film that really bothered me. Yeah. Well, it's it's shot like a horror movie. Yeah. But for kids, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Yeah, you know, for kids, headless bodies. <laughs> But think of like when she's, so when that headless body is smashing the cabinet with a stool and the way she's yelling as she comes up the stairs after them, like that is straight out of a horror movie. Yeah. And, and by the way, the heads are screaming throughout us. that whole scene, of course. Yeah. Well, you know, they were woken up very jarringly. Very much so. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, actually this is a, a perfect opportunity to ask you. So you grew up with this movie. I did. I saw this in right? theaters. Yeah. Yes, tell us everything. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, because I was less than a year old, so I did not see this in theaters. I uh, my my I was kind of raised by my mom in terms of uh, my my taste in fiction, and she really loved fantasy. She loved Conan the Barbarian. My dad thought she was nuts, and uh, and I inherited my comic book collection from her, and so she took me to ET when it was in theaters, and I loved ET. All my friends were scared of ET, and I didn't didn't understand that, even though I was often scared of movies. But uh, I, I loved Return to Oz, and uh, yeah, I, I just remembered really uh, um, not so much being freaked out by it, but a lot of the, the more monstrous and, and horrific imagery really stays with you uh, from Return to Oz. But that my, my main impression of it was, was TikTok, because he's so awesome. <laughs> and, and I think shortly after this, it prompted me to go. And I'd, I'd, I'd also grown up watching the original MGM movie, of course. And, uh, and so... Like was trying to make the connections between these two things and and trying to figure out in my kid brain like why does the scarecrow look so different now that's weird, <laughs> but uh, uh, you want to you want to really mess with your mind. Uh, Mike saw this first. <laughs> oh okay. <laughs> yeah, well my 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 wife grew up uh, and and we still by the way if we're ever in a uh, an antique shop or or something like that either one of us is gonna touch green things and say Oz just in case. Um, but nice. uh, That's great. she grew up with a, a series of cartoons, uh, I think Japanese uh, cartoons about Oz or, or adapting Oz that were much more true to the books. 
And I know uh, when we were kids, there was a series on up here. I'm in Canada, and we had there was a, a station that had a series of of these cartoons that basically went through the entire series and and got to the Gnome King and all this stuff, and wasn't nearly as terrifying or interesting as this movie. <laughs> But she never saw the MGM musical at all. She did see this, but um, she wasn't a, a fan of, of the musical. She didn't see it, really. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what came first, but I love... Uh, like, your stories of trying to, like, kind of patch things together after the fact is so great. Like, like figure out where these connect? Yeah. Yeah, which is, you know, it's a, it's a work of creativity more than anything else, since half of this movie is just... I mean, a lot of this movie is just a mashup of two two books. Uh, you know, nothing being a bit better example than Mombi herself is two characters turned into one. Yeah, yeah, and I I actually really like that as an adaptive strategy. You know, uh, if you look at the last uh, few years when you've had these major adaptations, the last decade or so, and particularly I'm thinking of Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter which were really true to the book adaptations. And on on one hand, that's really cool because you get to see stuff you've always pictured up there pretty close to the way you were thinking about it. But on the other hand, it's really boring because you've already read the book. Um, and, and the book is always going to be better in that respect. And what this movie reminds me of is the m- movie Master and Commander, which is one of my favorite all-time movies. And that is is a mashup of three or four books in in the series that it's based on and what that results in is a movie that feels very authentic to the book and to the original characters because it has so much material but it's an entirely new story so you don't know where it's going even though it's drawing on stories you know it's it's kind of recombining them sherlock is like this the tv series sherlock as well and and that's what this movie does by adapting a bunch of books if you're really familiar with oz um, it's still recognizable and, and familiar, really dark, but really recognizable. But you also don't know where it's going and, and how it's going to end. Even though, So it's kind of a fresh new story, you know? Nice. Yeah, I didn't think of it that way. Um, yeah, I think of the things that have mashed up multiple source materials to make a movie, this is one of my go-to examples of how to do it right. Yeah. Hands down. Um, and then you don't get the weird thing like I have with Harry Potter, where I then get very mad at things that are left out from the book. So I'm like, oh, come on. Because it's so close to the book already. Like, why yeah. change anything, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That fire was unnecessary. If you're a fan of Harry Potter, you know what fire I mean. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think uh, if I had anything else in this movie... Oh, well, I had to know uh, that we need to talk about who's playing the Gnome King. and how, But, yeah, it's it's Nicole Williamson. We've talked about him before. Uh, maybe not a fun guy to hang out with and watch on stage, but a brilliant performer. Oh, I wish I could uh, see him on stage. Apparently, he was, uh, I think the word naughty was used, and that he would just, like, break character and start yelling at people. And uh, Yeah, he's yeah, kind of nuts, his, yeah. It was a, he's a fascinating mini biography on IMDb. Let me put it that way. Um, it, it made me want to know more, but <laughs> trying to finish the podcast up first. Yeah, I, I'm not a fan of the human eyes in the face. <laughs> still, it's going to continue to creep me out, but. Fair enough. It's, it's one of those things. One of those things. I just need to grit my teeth and get through it. <laughs> Yeah, it does does lead to some very nice 
couple of frames if you're watching minute by minute. Uh, in, in, in the movie, it's, you know, it's super quick seeing his, uh, his transformation, but watching just one minute and you see, you see what, just one shot of him with, uh, with his pipe and it's, it's a heck of a costume. Oh yeah. Very convincing. I guess we can get into that into the next minute. I was just going to say, we're going to get to see a lot more of that tomorrow. Oh, should we uh, wrap up? The wrap away. Magic words. All right, then. Weog. Teog. Piog. Piog.